You're listening to the Military Millionaire Podcast, a show about real estate investing for the working class. Stay tuned as we explore ways to help you improve your finances, build wealth through real estate, and become a person that is worth knowing. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Dave from Military to Millionaire. Today's episode is awesome. We have a two-for-one with veterans, Colby Bowers, Rob Palin, who run the Veterans Pride Investment Group, which is a syndication firm. They have gone from zero to over 500 units in less than a year. This is huge. These guys are phenomenal, and they have a super generous business. They give money back for every investment they make. In fact, 20% goes to charities and foundations. And they're even, well, I'll let you, if you stick out to the end, you'll hear about something really, really, really cool they've got going on. Definitely check this out. There's a lot of value in here about the multifamily world and the transitioning from military to civilian life. Just a super awesome episode. Now, that being said, if this is your first time listening, thanks for joining the community. If not, welcome back. Show notes are found at FromMilitaryMillionaire.com slash podcast. Now relax and enjoy the show. Hey guys, on this podcast, we talk a lot about the roadblock to success for military members and getting started in real estate investing. For many of us, the barriers of time, location, and not having the right knowledge keep us from building wealth while serving our country. Well, let me tell you about Storehouse 310 Ventures. They get it. Storehouse 310 Ventures is owned by two active duty naval officers that love to make investing fun, lucrative, and have a passion for education, theirs and yours alike. They offer full turnkey rental properties in a market where the numbers make sense, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yes, Milwaukee, home to the almost 2018 division titled Milwaukee Brewers, the well-known Miller Brewing Company, and a lot of delicious cheese. Storehouse 310's properties are fully renovated, leased, and have property management in place. Through their rigorous analysis and selection process, they do everything possible to ensure each rental property meets their high standards and offers fantastic returns. Storehouse 310's allows you to invest with confidence while you are living out of state. They have a network of lenders, insurance companies, contractors, a title company, and much more to serve you all along the way. There is absolutely no reason not to get started when you have the right teams and system in place. David and Stu, the owners of Storehouse 310, have been investing themselves for over 15 years. They are on a mission to help as many active duty, reserves, and military veterans create financial freedom through the power of real estate investing. They are honest, transparent, and they prioritize service and giving. They have even committed to give the first 10% of their profits to partner nonprofit organizations that support veteran causes. For more information about their program, send an email to podcast at storehouse310turnkey.com. Again, that is podcast at storehouse310turnkey.com. Tell David and Stu you heard about them through the Military Millionaire Podcast, and they will get you going down the right path. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dave from Military to Millionaire, and I am here with Colby Bowers and Rob Palin, who are uh, together. They formed the Veteran Pride Investment Group. They're uh, investors together, and well, like really, it sounds like they've known each other for a very long time. Uh, Colby was in the Air Force for 23 years as a medic, and Rob was in the Air Force for nine years as a medic, and now he works for the Department of Veteran Affairs. So I'm really excited about this because not only do they have, obviously, the military background, and you know the VA thing is really cool because I've got all kinds of questions about that process, <laughs> but uh, we we won't dig into that tonight. We're going to talk some syndication and some real estate investing. So uh, I'll let you. Uh, I think we started with you beforehand. So Colby, you want to introduce yourself? Oh, and because I'm being rude over here, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us tonight. <laughs> thank you, Dave. Yeah, thank you, Dave. Did, um, can't tell you how how much we appreciate being on 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 your show and uh, for inviting us. So um, yeah, so we're excited. 
Um, but yeah, no, like you said, I did uh, spent 23 years uh, in uniform, uh, deployed a lot. I just think I spent a lot of my time outside of the hospital realm and, and on these deployments and worked with the army, got to jump out of airplanes, do some really cool stuff uh, until I got hurt. Um, got hurt a couple times and, you know, kind of changes, changes, uh, perspectives and, yeah. um, yeah. So, you know, ended up getting out and, uh, had been in real estate for about 15 years with a single family and kind of like we talked about before, I was realizing it was creating a lot of brain damage, trying to scale uh, single family rentals and, uh, really didn't want a job after I left a job of 23 years. Yeah. So wanted to get into uh, multifamily. Uh, Rob and I got together and here we are. Sounds good. I, uh, yeah, I can concur with the headache. It, it grows <laughs> as you grow. Rob, let's hear a little bit about your story. Yes, sir. I was a military medic in the Air Force for nine years as well. Colby and I met at uh, Little Rock Air Force Base in the early 90s, actually. And uh, we've been in contact for the past 20, 25 years. I followed his real estate ventures, uh, including him forming actually his own LLC of single family homes. Um, I come from a veteran rich military background in terms of my family as well as myself. I work for the Department of Veterans Affairs now in the Veterans Health Administration. I've always been involved in veterans causes. Um, and Colby, uh, after these 25 years, has known that I've wanted to get my feet wet in real estate as well. I'm not quite as experienced as he is, uh, but over the past five to 10 years or so, he's known I've wanted to get involved as well. We combine these two ideas. In other words, um, uh, getting our feet wet, getting more involved in the real estate realm, in particular in the realm of multifamily uh, real estate, as well as uh, combining that with profit for veterans. Uh, so the idea for VPIG was Warren, Veteran Pride Investment Group, and we donate 20% of our net proceeds to veteran and first responder charities that we make through real estate ventures. That's so cool. Yeah, and I just want to add, you know, we landed on this idea um, of doing the syndications and the multifamily and, and the giving back and the donation is, you know, being a wounded warrior, um, you know, and being able to participate in uh, a number of these retreats to help in the recovery process. One of the things I noticed is it's a lot of time and effort um, for these nonprofits to raise money uh, to put on these events. And so we wanted to be able to um, help them out. And so that's why we decided with a, a large, large portion um, to donate back. And it's, it's, it's a feel good. It's our why. It's what motivates us. Um, but it's also helped open up a lot of doors and um, to, to grow how we have. I think there's, I mean, there's something to be said for that both, you know, mentally and, and physically right there. I don't know. I'm sure you guys have read the book, uh, go giver at some point, but, uh, it talks all about, you know, donating and giving and, and how it, it's, it's reciprocal in its own way. Like I guess karma would be the, the, the way people talk about it, but yeah, it, it's definitely awesome to be able to spend time benefiting others, especially, you know, when it's a organization or organizations that, you know, you've seen firsthand the benefit of. So that's huge that you guys are giving back, which is just really cool. And we, um, you know, the company's been around for a little over two years now. And, you know, like Rob said, you know, we kind of had a little campfire discussion. Literally, we were 
sitting around the campfire in my backyard, I think at my, my retirement, right after my sure. retirement, having a few beers and it's this is how the idea, idea popped in and we've just grown it from there. We really, the last, the last August is really when things really started going into overdrive. We spent probably the first year is really researching, educating, trying to figure out, you know, what do we want to do? How do we want to build this company and what direction we want it to go? And we finally settled on the multifamily. And I think it was the end of last August, I actually went to a three-day boot camp. And in Chicago, which is just down the road from Rob, we both, we attended that. And it was a huge eye-opener. It really peeled back the, the curtain of what is a syndication. And it made us really realize that, hey, it's not that intimidating. And the bigger the deal, the easier the deal. It's kind of counterintuitive. Yeah. But sitting there education and learning and we're like man it's easier to get a loan if it's over a million dollars it's easier to get a 10 million dollar loan than it is a million dollar loan through you know freddie freddie small or fanny and it's like it, it just it was like a wow and i've probably i think personally i've attended six or seven conferences in the last year and the importance of that is really want to stress to to your listeners is educators so before we even invested in any deals on the syndication side we invested in ourselves and probably i don't even probably you you're the money guy but we probably, <laughs> we probably spent close to 20 grand on education in the last year and and the reason i say that obviously not everybody's capable of doing um you know putting that aside but even 500 dollars to attend a conference is it going to get you head and shoulders and move you forward? And since last year, we went from zero, um, zero doors under management to we just closed a deal last month that put us a combined total. We have 513 doors under management. Ow. In less than a year? Less than a year. Less than and a year. We have probably another 200 doors. Well, we have an LOI out on or a letter of, in, um, of intent. Uh, 116 unit and, and we're also looking at a mobile home park that's, that's um, the new thing these days yes yeah so for good reason yeah uh, off-market deals and it's through the networking and education and research and everything we've done um, so we're excited so we've got you know a couple hundred more doors by the end of the year and it's uh yeah we're, we're moving along just to add on to that, Dave, I mean, you made a comment in your podcast for Patriots interview uh, just recently here, basically the, to learn, network, and take action. I mean, those are three lessons that any newcomer, including myself, because I'm essentially a newcomer to the real estate space, you do those things. The networking is key. Network equals net worth. Absolutely. And it's amazing at these conferences, the people that we've met and the deals that have come to our table that we've been able to move upon just based on that participation. Yeah, I, I would be willing to bet that every time I've invested as far as uh, going to a conference, you know, I mean, I've, I've got, well, I had four booked, but I'm still active duty and apparently the military has decided I'm only going to two of those four. Um, so I'm trying to <laughs> refund some tickets, but I bought flights yesterday. Uh, but every time I've attended one of those events and a big educational networking piece, easily been able to track and show that I've made all that money back in the next six, you know, few months, weeks, whatever, whether through deals or even just networking. Uh, in fact, I can attribute this entire platform 
to attending. And it was just a small meetup uh, on a beach. It was just something that got posted on Facebook. I was like, Ooh, I got to go meet that guy. Um, and through that, I met several other people. And all of a sudden it was like this, now I'm hosting my own event on the beach and now I'm doing this and holy smokes, what's this? Hey, why should I start a podcast? Oh, they told me to start a podcast. Why don't I see what happens? And, uh, and it's just insane. Um, what can happen through that? So I absolutely agree. And you know, I'll have to ask you offline, which, what, what conferences you uh, preferred over others. We don't want to, you know, frustrate anyone too much, but there's some, that's just really cool. I can't believe, I mean, that's by the time you're done with this other one, assuming everything goes right, that's like 673 units in under a year is just, I mean, that's, that's, that's hard for people who've been investing for a long time and have a name and a reputation and already found investors. So that's just very impressive. It's, it goes back. It's, it's networking. You know, you have to get out of your shell. Can't be an introvert. Um, you know, just if you are, you know, you can't have, you can't be a germaphobe. Um, if you are, bring plenty of hand sanitizer. <laughs> you know, one of the, uh, um, I, I can't remember who said it, um, but somebody came across her like, if some, if as as a as a real estate investor, if they stand there long enough, they need to know what you're doing. And at these conferences, it's the same thing. If somebody makes eye contact with me, you know, I, I lock in and my arm goes out, you know, business card and start talking and a lot of times too and um our approach is we just don't go and say hey here's what we got going on come invest with us and all this it's more of how can we help you you know and that's you know especially when we're the other uh syndicators or investors or people in the, in this realm it's it's a synergy of effort so you know if they're you know hey what are your challenges how can we help you um and, and it's a team thing. And, and you can't look at other investors, especially in the multifamily. I don't look at anybody as my competition. And we don't. Everybody we meet, even if it's in our primary markets, they're potential future partners. Because um, if, you know, I, I have it written here. It's my reminder every day. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And it's teamwork. And that's what I think with veterans in particular we're really good at working integrating in teams and building that to those teams and taking that into the civilian world. I think that's why we're cleaning house. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, that definitely doesn't hurt. There's a lot. I talk about this periodically on my uh, website, but there's just so much that the military brings to the table for people. I mean, even from the smallest thing of teaching you to be decisive when it matters uh, and things just, they just add up. And then working together. I think another big piece, though, I, th I think the fact that you guys are so generous with your mission to donate. Um, I mean, I think I think to was it Tom's Tom's shoe, shoe company that like came out of nowhere because they would donate a shoe for every shoe bought. And I think people really believe in that. So it's one thing to find or to invest with people and you know get a good return or a decent return. But it's a whole other thing when you're able to do that and know that you're also still making a difference, which is just really cool. And when Rob, uh, Rob kind of coined it for a company, we call it profit for a purpose. I like it. I'm gonna write that down. Make sure that goes in the, the more, the more money we make as a company, the more we can donate and the more of our, of our fellow, you know, brothers and sisters in arms that we can help. Our initial mission and vision for, for veteran pride investment group was that exactly. And the question was, how are we going to secure profits 
to be able to accomplish that mission. Real estate seemed like the reasonable answer. Multifamily was the evolution. And here we are. Yeah. Super cool. So what a, I guess I would ask if somebody was looking to get into the syndication realm, you know, I, I, I guess if we pull it back from the, the why a little bit more to the, the how, what, what would be some pointers you might talk to them about as far as the syndication realm? Because I know it's, it's totally different uh, for anyone listening, by the way, who doesn't understand that really long word. It just means a whole bunch of people joining together to buy an apartment rather than trying to do it on yourself on your own. So um, exactly. Yeah. And well, and it goes back to building your team and, and their, your network. And honest, that's why, and well, Dave, it's something you go, you know, go to the conferences for a lot of the same reason is one is yes, there's the education piece, you know, but you go to so many conferences and it's, you can pretty much regurgitate the curriculum and it doesn't really matter who you go to, uh, but in multifamily and the syndication, it, it's really the same format. Really what we're going for now is we go for the networking. Um, and what we're finding out and everybody has a different investment criteria and that's really the key important and why I need to figure out is what is your strong suit and what do you want to get into? So, you know, like we focus on, uh, class C properties and, you know, for your, for your viewers, if they don't understand, you know, class A is basically your, your, your brand new top of the line, newly built Wi-Fi, all the greatest and latest amenities all the way down to your class D are you know you're you're older um, very old probably on a rougher side of of town so we like to be above that um we like the the value add of a, of a um the class e property so we focus on 1980 or newer 40 plus units and where we're looking at a reposition or a value add so and for a little bit of explanation on that and a reposition is we're looking for the mismanage if it was it a mom and pop that owned it they haven't raised rents in 15 years. They're happy of getting their check. Um, you know, maybe a little bit of deferred maintenance, but basically it's not being managed properly. So we can go in, get new management, reposition that property, um, and, and make increase the value. The other side of that is a value add, kind of taking the same properties, but going in and adding CapEx to it or renovation costs um, and go in, rehab the properties, increase rents, and you know, you increase in the value in, in that aspect. Um, and the reason I'm bringing that up is because there are folks, there's syndicators out there that um, their focus is class A properties. And you have class B, we happen to be in the class C. So part of the network is we're going out is, hey, here's what we're into, here's what we're like, what do you like? And that goes for our investors too. Some investors like the yield of a class A, some others want, you know, the, the cash on cash and the value add of a class C. And we put those in our wallet. So we come across a property, we underwrite it and we're like, man, this is a good deal. We'll go ahead and we'll lock it up, put it on your contract. And same day that LOI goes out or, or really, excuse me, not when the LOI goes out. Um, prior to that, as we're underwriting it and we're getting ready to send it out, we're already reaching into our Rolodex of going, hey, here's what we've got. Who's interested? So we built those relationships and we start building a team. Um, you know, I have two, two or three uh, broker lenders on speed dial. I'll send them the stuff. They're already underwriting, you know, sourcing everything out. I have, you know, potential sponsors because, you know, being an enlisted guy in the military, you know, I don't have a high net worth. I'm getting there. We're going to get there. 
But, you know, some of these deals that are, you know, three, five, ten million dollars, you're going to have some folks in there that have that bank account. Yeah. So that's when we're out there networking. We're bringing this team together, contacting it. So as soon as that, that uh, acceptance comes in and we go under a purchase agreement, we're, we hit the ground running. Um, so and that's what, you know, what we're doing. And, and you've got to find your niche. If you go in there and you're like any multifamily, you're going to flounder. So we focus on very specific. And when we, when we first got into this, we were kind of all over the place. You know, we we're kind of the shiny object syndrome or the squirrel. Um, and we weren't making a lot of traction. But once we sat down, we're like, you know what? Instead of being a jack of all trades, we're going to be a master of classy properties in these markets. And as soon as we did that, it was almost like a floodgate. We have people seeking us out, looking for deals. We've had investors come out and they want to be the sole source uh, investor. Um, That's pretty intense. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been great. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's just by planning and being focused. I think that- hey, just to add on to what Colby was saying in terms of syndication, especially for your listeners, one of the biggest lessons I've taken away from the past two years as a novice, basically, to real estate by attending these conferences and networking with folks and speaking with some of the folks that Colby's referenced is a lack of capital should not be a barrier for you. The trick, the secret is being able to find and analyze and isolate good deals. If you have those capabilities, if you have those analytical skills, you don't need the capital. It is out there in the market and others will be willing to partner with you. I, I agree. I, you know, I tell people that all the time and they always kind of look at me like I'm crazy, but no, if you find the right deal, there's a lot of people in the real estate world and if they didn't find it, but it's good, they're still going to want to dump it, dump money in and join you. Absolutely. And, and I, I forgot, I was going to mention this earlier. You mentioned it. I think it was you, Rob, who said this earlier and I didn't peel the onion back, but I just wanted to, you mentioned the financing. And yes. so when I was buying my 10 unit a year, year and a half ago, I remember I called a guy who showed up in the phone book as a commercial broker in the area. And I was like, Oh yeah, this guy's going to be perfect. And within like a minute on the phone, he told me, no, I was like, Man, this guy didn't hear anything. And then he told me what's probably one of the most powerful things I've heard and driving forces for a while was basically, look, man, that's cool, but you're thinking too small. Call me when you've got a $5 million deal or bigger. We don't touch anything under this many units, this much, this, this, that, the other. You know, and he was very specific. He's a big commercial broke, commercial lender. And it was just eye-opening for me to have somebody literally tell me, when you find a deal this big, I'll close it faster and it'll be easier than what you're looking to do right now. That's like, that's just, it's just, a, people don't understand that. There's just, it's not as scary as you think. Absolutely. And in terms of what you're discussing, it's all about establishing credibility. For example, two years ago, when we had no multifamily units under our belt, we had maybe five single family homes. If we call the broker on the phone, they're not going to give us a time of day. However, today, if we call someone up and say we have 513 doors, they know that we can close deals. They know we know how to find deals. They know we have a network in place to uh, put a team together to take deals down. So, in that respect, it's about credibility. Yep. Yeah, credibility and networking, that's huge. I like that you mentioned the focal, the focal point for your investing, the Class C properties. For one, because you know, people let 
class C and D properties scare them away. And I have a class C and I, I love it. Uh, in fact, it's probably my best cash flow per, per purchase price. And honestly, one of the fewest headaches I've had. Uh, I've, sure, I've had some evictions. Um, I had someone get told he had like a few months to live. And when he moved out, he like took out my roof with his U-Haul. Uh, but, you know, those are all small, small things compared to the cash on cash return that I have through that property. So I love that you mentioned that that's your niche for one, because it gets to show people that you can make anything work. But the fact that you only focus on that, I think is huge. Yeah. Well, it, you know, if you don't get focused, you start spreading your, your time and energy and you become unproductive. You know, you start spinning your wheels, you know? So while it's just Rob and I, we're focusing on C-class properties and apparently we're uh, also mo uh, mobile home parks uh, over the next couple of weeks. Because <laughs> when the numbers work and it falls in your lap, you got to look at it. You know, it's just, you can't, can't look a gift horse in the mouth. But, um, you know, we, we've already talked, you know, we're down the line as, as we grow, we're able to bring on some, you know, employees and stuff. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll be able to, uh, to, to um, you know, branch out into maybe mixed use uh, commercial properties. We may get into class A, class B, you know, we'll have that, that luxury to be able to, you know, to put it to dabble. But right now we're putting all our time and time energy into, you know, the class C's and it's paying the bills and, and we're growing. And so, you know, we stick with what we know for right now. I think it's good to become an expert in a certain market niche, especially when it comes to multifamily. But Colby does bring up a good point. It's all about the numbers, whether or not the numbers work. Yes, everyone has their certain markets they like to focus in. In our case, it's Northwest Arkansas. We're actually starting uh, a meetup up there that's going to be uh, starting the second Monday in September. And it's going to be meeting the second Monday of every month, if I'm not mistaken, Colby. Yes. Uh, so Arkansas is our particular market. However, we look at deals everywhere. We own properties in multiple states. It's all about the numbers. If the deal is right, then you pursue it. My yeah. ears just hurt. You can't see with my headphones, but uh, I have, so I'm from Little Rock. You know, we talked earlier before we started recording that you guys met right around the corner from where I'm from. Uh, and I am becoming much more intimately familiar with because I've been doing my homework the exact market you're talking about, Rogers, Rogers, Bentonville. Absolutely. Washington. Yep. Yeah. And I was looking, I, I think it was Bentonville the other day and I pulled up population growth for the last decade and it was like 47% or something nuts like that. And I was just looking at it and I was like, what was I doing 10 years ago? I knew people here. I, I like, I should have bought a house here. What was, you know, um, but I was looking at that the other day and I was, cause I, I, most of my stuff's in Springfield, Missouri. So right, right around the corner, hour and a half, two hours away. Um, and that's, that's a market that definitely intrigues me. So I, I, I can appreciate why you're investing in that area. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting cause when we were at these conferences and stuff, you know, everyone asked, Hey, what market are you in? We're in Arkansas. And we get the like, what, what, what Arkansas? You know, but when you peel back the onion and you actually look at the, the two MSAs, you look at Little Rock and then specifically Fayetteville and Rogers and all that up in that area, it's the growth, the job growth, the population growth, median income, all the growth. It's actually better than Denver, yeah. my backyard. And Affordable. 
at least comparatively. And it's still affordable. Cap rates haven't been suppressed like they hear. Class C property here in, in Denver is going for four to four to five percent. And it's been value added like four times. So there's no meat on the bone. Another pool. Yes. <laughs> you know, and all the institutional money is in the big market. So, you know, Denver, uh, Dallas, Houston, Phoenix, you know, all the, you know, all, all everything you hear in the news. Well, I don't have billion, we don't have billions of dollars yet, so we can't compete. So we're going to those tertiary markets, the ones that are going to have growth that are going to continue to grow. And that's where we're putting, you know, our focus on. And, you know, we're staying nimble and be able to move and, you know, we're, we're making things happen. And so, you know, and then when this potential contraction, if it ever, you know, comes, you know, it depends on who you talk to. We know everything goes in cycles. We're going to be back up. You know, I love the Denver market, um, being all those big cities, but everybody that's buying um, at a premium and obviously are in, and in my opinion, and a lot of folks opinion, they're overpaying. I'm going to be there to help them unload that off their hands when they get in trouble here in a few years. I've, I've seen the, I don't want to say writing on the wall, but there, there are, there are some, uh, and I think it's a little bit more prevalent in the multifamily realm, but there are definitely some people who are, um, you know, as you say, cap rates are getting compressed. I remember I was talking to someone the other day in Springfield and they were asking for a specific cap rate. And I was, you know, just trying to explain that there's no way that anybody's going to touch that property for that cap rate in that market. Uh, yeah. But it's, I think it's just because, I don't know, maybe it's just because multifamily is kind of a, it's not a really, I don't, I don't want to say it's a hot topic. I think that's just because I know multifamily people. So I see it all the time. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely some people that may or may not be overpaying uh, in those big, big markets, uh, which I think is really cool that you guys went to one that's not quite as well known, but clearly doing very well. So far. <laughs> well, and the nice thing with a market like that in the Midwest is, you know, when the market crashes in the U.S., it's, it's much less volatile. So you may not see quite as much appreciation, but you also don't see houses dropping $400,000 in value in a year. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you know, and it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because honestly, that is part of our, um, our market research is looking as, you know, and we've been using the, you know, 08, 09 crash as kind of our benchmark is looking at a lot of these different markets. How did the, how did the, the real estate specifically, how did multifamily fare? And, you know, what we like about, you know, the Arkansas as a whole and, you know, Fayetteville is stuff is they didn't really have much of a decline. No. You know, it's, it's just a little blip. And if you look back over 20 years, they have a nice, nice steady incline and it doesn't have the big swings. Um, I think big swings would give me a heart attack. So I like, I like steady, steady and slow, you know, um, cause our philosophy is we're, you know, we're not, we're not multifamily flippers. You know, when we look at a property and we invest in it, we look at everyone as like we call them legacy properties. So we plan on holding on to them for 20 plus years. Our goal is to turn these properties over to my, my son, who's four, and Rob's grandson, who's four, um, <laughs> uh, you know, down the line. So, uh, you know, it's all about the cash flow and the long-term hold. I agree. So kind of like to take a moment and transition, I guess, kind of away from the multifamily, because I have a, a question that I think you guys might be 
good for answering, especially because you both have a medical background, um, which I don't know specifically what that has to do with this, but it makes me think you'd have some some insight. Uh, and I think that's purpose, right? So I talk about this sometimes, and I don't usually bring it up on the podcast, but I also don't usually get to talk to two people who may have a, a somewhat similar insight into this. And I'm rambling about all this just to say, you know, that obviously the veteran community has some issues with people when they transition have a really rough, really rough time. And I would be curious to think, to ask, you know, how has real estate multifamily, like, do you feel like this has kind of given you a purpose to smooth that transition uh, and, and how that's kind of played into you going and making, you know, it's just not always an easy move. Super difficult question that you didn't expect. So if you don't want to talk about <laughs> no. it, I can edit all this out. Well, Rob, you've, you've been out a lot longer. I mean, I, I have, I have some thoughts, but Rob, I want to kind of hear your perspective. You've been a civilian longer than a, I have. Forgive me, Dave. What exactly is your question? Oh, see, now I'm going to have to edit part of this out. Um, I, I apologize. No, no. So I guess I'm just asking. So the transition from military to the civilian world is often a very rough one for service members. You know, we see all this through the news. And I would be curious to see if the purpose behind you guys building an empire and giving back has helped with some of those difficult things that you go through now. I mean, maybe it may be more so in the recent years out of the military than, you know, a little bit while, a while back, but I, I don't know. I just kind of thoughts for me. Okay. Um, it's kind of a segue actually into another question that you typically ask, but uh, the beauty of real estate is it's unlike any other investment sector that you get involved with. For example, the military, when they discuss with troops to talk about their retirement, they talk about social security, they talk about TSP, they talk about uh, um, you know, investments, 401ks, and so forth. The difference is with real estate, if you can get involved with that, you get involved at an early age, at the lowest rank possible, or even uh, if you're transitioning. As a veteran like myself that's not retired, get involved with it as early as possible. Why? Because it not only provides you cash flow, in other words, a return on your investment, but it also provides you capital appreciation and an asset that's tangible to you. You get a double benefit over this little triad that the military teaches you in terms of saving money. I agree. And I'll add to that, I'll take from my perspective of transition. I worked for a Fortune 500 company for approximately 10 months after I retired. And then realized that it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I went, uh, so I was a match comm functional manager um, and, and a squadron superintendent. So I was an E8, but I, you know, I, I could have stayed in for E9, but I saw the writing on the wall and realized, hey, this isn't for me. It's, you know, I, I've done my time. But when I made that transition, especially going from combat units and deploying all the time, then going back into the medical career field. Um, you know, it's, it's a night and day difference. So even that transition was, was a huge struggle. Um, but then when I left and, you know, I, I had, um, I was a man at a manager level and I had 14 civilians that I'm like, I'd rather go back and, and supervise and oversee a hundred plus, you know, troops than those 14 civilians. I mean, they were great individually, but it was just, it was a hard transition of you know being politically correct being you know touchy feely 
you know, you have to, you know, you have to, to smile. You, you know, you can't just, you know, HR is, is um, speed dial. And, you know, plus in really, and in the base fire for me is they had me working four hours from home. And, you know, when I was in the military, I had to work away from my family, but you know, on the civilian side, I'm like, I don't have to do this. And then, um, so yeah, I was just like, talked to the wife and stuff when came down and she's like, you don't need to stress. And I will tell you, since I've done this job, started doing it full time, <laughs> I've gained 25 pounds. Um, my stress level is down. I probably need to get a row machine or something to put in my office that I work from home. But I spend more time with the family. I do block scheduling. I get up in the morning. I work for a few hours. I get up like you, Dave. I'm up at like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. I work before my family come, gets up. I eat breakfast every single morning with my four-year-old son and my wife. I make my wife coffee. I go back down and I work for a couple more hours. I come up, I eat lunch. You know, I'm home for dinner. Um, if I, we want to go out and do something um, during the day, during the week, um, I rearrange my schedule. I don't have to answer to anybody. So what real estate has done for me is decrease my stress, made me fat. My six pack is now a pony cake. <laughs> I'm going to work on that. Um, but, you know, it's the time with my family. And it's because of real estate. Um, the coolest thing, I do want to share this, the coolest thing, when I realized that this is for, uh, I've made the right decision, is uh, I had to make a, um, went out to Hawaii actually earlier this year. Um, and I actually closed a deal sitting on the beach on my phone playing with my four-year-old son. I'm like, how cool is this? You know, so that solidified it. And that's why I'm, I'm bullish on real estate. I think everybody should, it should be a part of everybody's investment portfolio. You know, you don't have to be in it as like Rob and I. Um, we'll gladly take your money and invest it for you <laughs> and help you get there. But yeah, I, I can't speak enough. Um, it's helped me, my family, and I'm able to help veterans. We have a mission again. You know, I feel that I have a mission um, and it's, it's a wonderful thing. It grants you freedoms in many nine to five jobs just simply won't. Uh, you, you have an opportunity to be involved to whatever extent that you want to in the properties that you acquire you don't necessarily have to have a fantastic credit score. You don't necessarily have to have the capital to do it. You have to have the drive, the motivation, the desire. I'm super glad that I asked that question as awkward as that was and as much as I couldn't spit it out. So I, I feel like part of the reason that I started this whole website, if I really look back, is that I knew that whether I got out early or not, the military was going to end. And I know that not having a purpose makes that transition difficult. I was like, okay, I got to create, create something for myself to have a mission or a purpose. Um, how do I do that? And I was like, well, I'm passionate about real estate. I'll talk about real estate and see if anybody likes it, which, you know, I mean, either some people have just clicked follow for no reason or people actually do like it a little bit, but that's been really cool for me and I'm still in the military. So uh, both of you just, awesome to hear, especially, uh, you know, the whole gain some weight, no stress, eat breakfast every morning with your kids, you know, and, and make your schedule. That's huge. I mean, there are so many people out there who would kill for that. And they think it's just not, not going to happen. And the reality is that as your portfolio grows here, maybe, maybe now, maybe later, you know, at some point you're going to be making way more money eating breakfast every day with your family 
and doing whatever you want than you ever would have working as a fortune 500 anything and so much less stress. So anyway, so that's, that's really cool. I'm glad I asked that, that question. Uh, and then I, I kind of segue into, uh, we'll roll into some of these other questions I normally ask. And then I know we got something else we want to talk about at the end here. Um, so I, my first question that I'll ask, and we can go, I guess we'll just stick with the Colby and then Rob, cause that's how we've been going. Uh, it's just, if it, if an E1, E2, if a young, young service member was to walk up to you and ask you about advice for real estate, what do you think would be the first thing that you would want to tell them? The first thing I would tell them is do not buy a new car ever. <laughs> Stay away 25% from interest is fine. That is a depreciation, depreciating asset that you're going to pay on that's going to be worth less as soon as you drive it off. Buy used. Don't do it. I, I know there's <laughs> if any of you ones out there, everyone gets that, oh, I got my paycheck and all this and, oh, you know, if I can stretch this out to a 10-year payment at $400 a month, we can make it happen. Don't do it. Take that $400 and put it in something else. Um, you know, and I say step two of that is take that payment you're saving and put it in. Put I really recommend all of my troops is put 10% of your pay, pre-tax pay, into your TSP. And if you deploy and you get your, your the tax-free combat pay, whatever, all those, uh, those uh, extra benefits – Roll it into the TSP if you can, or put it into put it into something that is going to grow. And the reason I, I stress that is going into my third piece is educate yourself into real estate, or and, and look at the pros and cons of real estate versus the stock market. And what's cool with your TSP if is I don't know if any of your listeners know, and why I say put money into it is once that gets up to a a decent level over a few years, you can use that to help qualify for a loan. And yeah. you can even borrow from your TSP to help do a down payment. Um, and you can combine what's going to be great now is with the new stuff, use your VA loan. Starting in 2020, there is no limit. If you qualify for it, you can get, there's no caps on it. There's not whatever the, the average was, 400 something thousand. If you yeah. can afford a million dollar home, the VL cover it starting next year. Um, so that Rob, I don't know if you have anything to add, but those are really my two to three big, big pushes. Uh, essentially I'd reinforce what Colby said. And basically Dave, what you said again, during that podcast, uh, real estate offers tremendous returns. They offer longitudinal returns, learn, network, take action. You don't need the capital. You need the education, the drive and the determination. I agree. I like that you hit, well, for one, I like that you're familiar with the new VA limit. No one seems to know about that yet, but uh, the TSP, I've never actually, I don't think I've ever mentioned that anywhere, but yeah, I, I have a almost reached the dollar amount that I want to cap my TSP at before I force all that money into real estate, but I have a pretty substantial amount. And they're not nearly as much as if I'd been smart about it you know, when I first got in the military, uh, because I didn't know what I was doing, but I will never touch that. My, my plan is to never touch that because that will always count as the reserves for any, any property I purchase. Just, hey, there's, you know, 50 grand or whatever, 60, you know, whatever it grows to sitting there and that's my reserves. So, 
that's just really nice to know because if I had 50 grand sitting in a bank account, I'd find a property to dump it in and then go, oh crap, I got to save up reserves. So, so, and if everything falls apart, you can always pull up money from it and then you're paying yourself the interest instead of a bank. So, yep, absolutely. Awesome. So the next question that I would like to ask you guys, and I always ask this, I'm not going to touch on what makes your method of investing unique. Uh, I think we've kind of gotten pretty into the weeds on what you guys do and that's huge. So I'd, I'd ask each of you what your, what's the one resource, book, course, resource, uh, whatever that you recommend anyone looking to get started in real estate or improve finances. Well, I think Rob and I, cause we, we, we've we're agreement on this one. <laughs> yeah. We're, um, uh, Rob, go ahead. I, I talk too much at times. Go ahead, bud. <laughs> uh, two books, actually. Ironically, Colby made me read this book. I read it in the deer stand <laughs> in 2017. This was right after V-Pig's uh, birth, I guess you would say. And that would be uh, Crushing in an Apartment Building as a Commercial Real Estate by Brian Murray. Uh, it's got some great lessons. It's written in layman's terms. Um, the second book is The Purple Bible, of course, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. <laughs> yep. Those, yeah, the two, two reads I would definitely recommend to anyone new to this sector. I feel like I've read Crushing It in Apartments, but I'm going to need to, there's a couple different Crushing It in et cetera, et cetera, books out there. So I'll have to pull that up and see if that's the one I've read. But if it is, it's a good read. And if not, then I'll go read that and add that to my list right now. Obviously, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I don't even know how many times, like it's so bad with that book that the other day I was sitting in the gym and I was like, man. You know, I can't really hear this podcast that well over all the other noise in here. So I'll just listen to Rich Dad, Poor Dad again, because I know that book through and through. So if I miss some parts, it won't matter. Um, I've loaned that book to at least a half a dozen people that are now entering the real estate space. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it, and what's funny is this, it's, I don't even think you can count it as a real estate book. I mean, it's got some pieces in it, but it's, it's a mindset book. It is. Yeah. But again, mindset is everything. I mean, there's all kinds of mental blocks to folks getting involved, especially the younger ranking in any military branch, thinking that they don't have the resources to be able to get involved in real estate. There's creative financing, there's creative deal structure, and we all know this. And believe it or not, the real estate is not a super huge on telling you all the mindset of thinking through efficiency and paying other people to do stuff and working smarter, not harder. I know that's hard to believe that they're, they're somewhat uh, industrial aged, but uh, <laughs> I struggle with that at work. I, I've become that guy as I start thinking about whether or not to transition, I've become that guy where I'll find myself like starting to ask why we're doing something a certain way. And everyone's just like, don't say it. And like, so, <laughs> but then I'll like put my hand down and be like, okay, not worth it. Uh, anyway, all that to say. Um, so I know we were going to mention this. So I'm, I didn't, so before, for those of you listening, we, I asked if there was anything they wanted me to prompt them about so we could talk about it. Uh, and they brought up something uh, and I'm going to let them tell you about it because I, it sounded really cool. And I told them I wasn't going to ask any other questions because I didn't want to hear about it until they started talking about it now. So uh, I'll let you guys, uh, let's, let's hear this, this coolness. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm not really known for, for my patience um, and, and, and going slow and, you know, so, you know, we, we, like I said, we donate 20% of our profits to, you know, charities and of our choice, uh, and which is fine and dandy. But to me, it's, it's, we're not doing enough. Um, when there's, you know, 22 of our brothers and sisters that, you know, suicide a day, 
we have homeless issues, and all this stuff's going on. Um, so our part of our 10-year plan was to spin off um, our own foundation. Uh, we just accelerated that, and we actually just made the decision two weeks ago. Hmm. I think Rob. We don't even have a name for it yet. This is how new this is. But um, basically the foundation is um, we're still fixing out the vision. What we're going to do is we are um, um, taking next, next October of 2020 is myself and six other wounded warriors who have yet to be identified or selected. Um, and we're going to climb um, to Mount Everest base camp. And we're going to do this. One is as, as a overcoming our, our um, you know, physical, mental limitations, but also to raise money and awareness for um, veterans. And right now we have two, two um, uh, nonprofits. Uh, we may expand it out to three that we're going to try to raise money for. And our goal is, is to raise uh, a half million dollars uh, for these three charities to be split among the three charities uh, next year. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, something it's, that's how near and dear this is uh, to us. We'll probably be following a lot of our profits and stuff into this endeavor to pay for the trip, get everybody over there, um, and all that. So yeah, so we're excited about that. And you know, if if we don't say it and make it public and set a date, it'll never happen. So we're gonna make this public and we hope uh you know hold us to it. So we hope uh in a year's time maybe you'll have us back on and we can tell you about our trip. I would love to hear about that. That's so cool. I just watched one of the videos, one of the movies on Everest, and uh my wife made me promise her that I would never hike Everest and uh I, I I, I don't know that I can really make that promise. I don't know. She was like, is that's not one of your goals, is it? Yeah, you know, we'll see how the knees hold up. That would be so cool. And, and there's a reason why we're only going to base camp. My, my, my wife, cause I, you know, I have, I have TBI is she's like, no, you're, you know, brain swelling and head injury and going to the peak. She's like, no, over my dead body. So, yeah, well, so base camp it is. You say base camp, but for anyone listening, base camp's not at like 3,000 feet elevation. No, I think it's like around close to 17,000. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's it's up there still. That's no easy feat. Dave, we still have uh, spots open on this team that we're assembling. Perhaps you'll receive an invite sooner than you thought. Oh, man. <laughs> Try to explain to my wife what I'm doing out of, out of country. Uh, no, just, uh, just on leave for a week with some friends. Don't mind me. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess depending on how, how bad my, uh, surgery ends up, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I, apparently, apparently, and this is the most exciting thing I've ever been told by a doctor. Uh, they can fix me kind of, but I'll never be close to a hundred percent. It's just going to be not as bad. So that was, that was really nice. Well, so, at, oh, at the end of the day, you are talking to two medic real estate investors yeah so. that's, there we go. there we go he's like i can get you from a grade three to a grade one and a half or one but that's it <laughs> motrin and water dave motrin yeah. <laughs> changing the socks <laughs> oh man no that's so cool that sounds so, well for what i mean just the idea of being able to give back was huge but starting your own foundation having your own goal, goal and being able to do something uh so cool 
I mean, this is, it's cool. You, when you say talking Everest, I immediately think of, I don't know if you know who Jesse Itzler is. Um, he's a, he's a billionaire, but he's behind a couple different companies. Uh, and I, I got to hear him speak once and I'm trying to think he's got this quote that I like absolutely love, but I would have to dig for it because I'm not thinking of the words right now, but he does, he has a foundation and, and a race and it's kind of like it's Everest themed, but it's basically like this big, steep, snowy hill, uh, that he just has people run up and down for like a day and they call it like the equivalent of hiking Everest. Um, but it's just a really cool thing to watch and he gets so fired up about it. So to think of you guys being able to do something that is actually going to Mount Everest is just, I mean, that, that's just, that's so cool. Uh, and, and the real cool thing with that is not that you're doing it, but the impact that you're going to have and that some guys who are going to, you know, get to do something like that when they never thought that would be possible again and you're going to change their lives. Yeah. And the goal is to actually the participants that go with me have actually been participants in these nonprofits. So not only are they getting to do this cool thing, but they're actually raising money to help the charity that has helped them. That's cool. Yeah. Which by spinning off the nonprofit and actually separating our business side from our charity side, it will allow us to partner with other organizations like he's mentioning people that we've met through these other organizations and programs that they've went through. Uh, it's really going to expand our network in terms of charitable donation and outreach to veterans. Yep. That's so cool. I love it. We're excited about it. Yeah, that's really, really cool. I look forward to Yeah, we'll definitely have to link up in a year and yeah, a year, year and a half and, and talk about all this again and see where we're at. It'll be really cool to watch all this unfold. Absolutely. We'd love to. All right. So before we wrap all this up, uh, is there anything else that we did? Thing that we haven't talked about, you guys would like to mention before we uh, close out? No, I can't think of. It. I think we right. talked about it. You know, unless Rob, you've got something you want to add? I don't think there's anything pressing. I mean, if it's okay, I'll put a plug in about how to contact us. That was the next question. So right on. <laughs> My apologies. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> It's we, awesome. of course, have an all-inclusive website, which includes our property, our investing, our business dealings, uh, as well as our veteran outreach and what we're trying to accomplish as an organization in that respect. Our website address is www.veteranpride.org. And you can also reach out to us by email at info, that's I-N-F-O, at veteranpride.org. We're always looking our team. So if any of your listeners are, uh, you know, very analytic, they think that they're really good at deal underwriting or they think they're good at finding deals. You know, we're, we want to talk to anybody or if anybody's looking at, you know, vet, you know, investing in future deals. And one of the things that, it, you know, we're also doing with our deals is in, in the specific to veterans and we want to expand it out to first responders um, probably in the near future is having a lower entry rate. A lot of times on the syndication deals, there's been stuff we've been invited to and they're like, hey, you got $100,000, you can go ahead and you can buy a share of this syndication. Now, you know, who, who do we know in the military? Very few that have $100,000 laying around. Um, what we're actually doing is for veterans um, and, and especially even active duty uh, to get their feet wet is um, if you have $10,000, give us a call, you know, cause we're going to, we're trying to lower it down. We want everybody to be able to have the ability to diversify. 
And honestly, one of the best ways to learn syndication is being a limited partner. Yeah. You can learn and earn all at the same time. So on a similar note, I, I mean, of course, please follow us on social media. We had, we do have a Facebook page. Uh, we do have a blog that we post to weekly, bi-weekly. Uh, and when we do spin off this nonprofit organization, even if it's not deals or real estate investing that you're interested in, if you are a veteran, a veteran supporter, uh, by all means, we would love to chat with you. We would love to partner up with you. There's strength in numbers. There's power in numbers. So help us to help our brothers and sisters in and out of uniform. Absolutely. That's, that's huge that you guys are allowing non-accredited investors to, uh, to, I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. that's really, that's really, really big. Um, and, and you're right. Being a limited partner is a pretty cool way to get involved in stuff. Yeah. You get to see the inner workings without, you know, it's nice to ride in the car before you have to drive it. Exactly. It's, it's, you know, peel back the onion and the, you know, SEC rules allow up to 35 uh, non-accredited investors. And right now we want to, we're holding those for, for veterans. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. In fact, I'm going to get done with this house flip. We might have to reach out and say, Hey, I'd like to dump a little cash in one of these LPs. So <laughs> assuming that this house flip leaves me with some cash when I'm done with it, I'm having all sorts of fun with I had a picture the other day from my, this is like my first flip ever that's been just solo. It just kind of fell in my lap. And I was like, oh, you know what? We'll do this. And uh, yeah, like contractor sent me a picture last Friday. that was like, hey, uh, the foundation's not supposed to fall apart like that. Uh, we're going to get back to you. I'm like, yep, you're right. It's supposed to be under the framing, not like a two foot gap and just crumble. So uh, it's going to be interesting. But anyway, all right, guys, thank you very, very much for joining me this evening. It's been an absolute pleasure. This has been awesome. Dave, it's been fantastic. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarytomillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.